when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's November 12th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 441. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klepek. Hello. Pilot Ricardo Contreras. Hey, hey, thanks. What? That's, you know, Why that's a he... high honor for Pilot. Why is he a pilot now? Uh, because I'm... he's been summoned to serve on the front lines. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, suiting up for the uh, Principality of Xeon. Getting ready to, <laughs> I don't know. Kato saw a cool robot, and he was like, "What must I do to get one of these?" Yeah, I gotta get uh, it. It's actually your fault. You just dropped a cool robot into the codes you, chat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I, I guess we're getting into it immediately. Uh, no, see, I, I, yeah, I, I refuse to engage with Gundam till until Netflix makes a live action Jesus uh, Christ a, a series about it. I, Fuck. I don't know it exists. So excited uh, to learn more about. Gundam when um <laughs> the, the the Skull Island director ma- makes his his Gundam movie. I'm Perfect. so worried Perfect. about so that. <laughs> everybody, everybody, check out uh, Patrick's uh, Patrick's podcast, the No Gundam Project. Uh, <laughs> Skull Island's a good movie. I don't know that that means you should make a Gundam movie, but Skull Island's but a good Skull movie. Island's a good movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, I would say Skull Island. I was like. And you know what? I don't know. I was like, but Skull Island is a deeply unsophisticated text. Uh, but Napalm Strikes looked good. It's a fu- it's a fu- it's a fun ass movie. It understands yeah. what you want from those movies and delivers. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, then I guess we can start off yeah. with uh, what I've been spending most of my week doing, which oh, is attending a. We're pivoting. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> Patrick refused. Like, Rob, <laughs> Rob, Patrick refused. I was Rob like, spent, that's your- Rob spends so much God. time coming up with the most excruciating pivots between segments, and then has one. Ha, it starts a, gives the segment to Kato and says, "Well, time to talk about the the, the crummy battlefield event that I was at for the past <laughs> week." Um, you were hey, look. You were like, "I refuse to talk about Gundams." I respected your wishes. All right, Kato. You said you wanted me to look up. Uh, if yeah, there's another Gundam code. Yeah, uh, go to the email and make sure there aren't any uh-huh. more codes in there. Why? Because what's, what's wrong with your mobile? So the game I've been playing is called yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Code Fairy, which is a spin-off game based off of the systems found in Mobile Suit Gundam Battle Operation Two, which is a multiplayer uh, online Gundam game, um, where you are piloting giant machines of war and uh i gotta say it's pretty damn fun it's a really interesting uh take on 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 mecha uh skirmishes um i in general for like live like 
um, not non-turn-based stuff. You know, uh, I've only really ever engaged with um, arcade games, like the Virtual On series, and um, that Piranha game, Mech, uh, Mech Warrior game. The who I think it's Piranha Games who made that. The Mech Warrior Online. Um, oh yeah, yeah the like one multiplayer from just, like last last December, right? Yeah, I feel yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's it's fun to see uh, to get an, another like kind of even uh, like a third take. It's closer to kind of virtual on, but not as uh, fast, I think. But um, if you've ever seen uh, the anime, well, um, you would love watching this game be an anime because it's split up into discrete anime episodes uh, ranging around 30 minutes basically depending on how quickly you do the battles uh where with a opening sequence uh oh like an opening uh credits and then uh like intro anime sequence that is just like fully animated uh you know 2d animation um about this uh specific secret squad of all women zeon pilots which is why it's Code Fairy. Uh, oh, a name, I was just gonna say, a boo. name, <laughs> yeah, boo. It's it's very funny because they named the fucking game that, but in in the fiction of the story, they're given that name by the higher ups, and they're like, man, fuck. They're given the actually, they're given the name Noisy Fairies, uh, and they're that's all and, right. E- everyone on the on the squad is like, fuck that. Well, the fairy association still is like why do we got to be named that like just because we're girls and so like they don't like it either um but that is (laughs) what the the name of the game gotta give it to them (laughs) yeah um and it is extremely funny because i am currently watching gundam like the first gundam i'm like halfway through the original series and this it, it does that thing of like taking a uh, well-known story and being like, and these characters were just off to the side, <laughs> like just close enough. There's all these callbacks to like, oh right, uh, I rem- they see a fucking shooting star in at the end of the first episode, and it's like, oh right, that's the fucking white base coming into orbit uh, because they just got chased out of space by Char Aznabal. Uh, the game itself. After you watch this little anime intro and the first half of an anime episode uh, is, um, you know, this mecha battler where you're kind of, um, you're in a group of three, uh, you're the leader, and you're kind of in like the fastest suit, um, and you were, your job is to kind of get in everyone's face as well. Your two support buddies are like kind of pelting people from afar. And the like, the the mechanics of actual the actual fights are really interesting. There's basically you know, it's a lot of thruster management, a lot of like moving around. Um, everything you do has a sort of slowness to it that is like a lot of good robot inertia. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like, um, not even just in like the movement and like when you get to the end of a thrust you, it's going to take you a couple seconds to like stop your machine from moving as it like slides in the earth you know like nothing feels um everything feels heavy and weighted and that includes even just swapping between weapons it's very much a system where you're meant to kind of swap in between cooldowns of each weapon like you have a bazooka and then at, while it reloads, you swap to your sword and you do a quick slash thrust and you thrust away. Uh, 
and it's um it's very different from a lot of kind of um more action oriented mecha games where it it's very it's almost like a super fast turn based thing like where you have to think about things in sequence it's almost like or i guess you could think of it as um almost like a a, a slowed down fighting game where uh, you you think the things in sequence of like okay I have to dash slash dash out or like you're not reacting the way that you would do it in like a, a character 3D battler or something like that like it's much more about thinking strategically it's really actually quite interesting and I'm like I downloaded the game that this is based off of um, basically that one's just just multiplayer this one is like all like main storyline AI is what you're fighting against and the AI is no fucking slouch. Like, I got fucking roasted early on um, in this game before I kind of grokked, like, oh, I'm supposed to kind of keep my eye out for when the enemy is about to attack and think about dodging at the right time for the and thrusting for the right amount of time so that I end up on the upper hand. Um, again, to use the fighting game metaphor, it's kind of like trying to be on plus frames, trying to be a... Uh, 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 able to act before your opponent can act again. Um, and it's it's been really neat, but it's also split into three volumes. And this is why I asked you to just look at this email, because I finished volume one and... It's not out, bro. It's not bro, out? I just, all, you gotta, all you gotta do is look at a trailer. I saw It said November... Isn't today November 11th? I'm, I'm, pa- I'm pasting... Look. You... An image. November 19th, 19th, volume two. Jesus Christ. Okay, December well, but 3rd, also, also, we get three. codes for things that aren't out all the time. This is why I wanted to make sure. <laughs> right? Like, well, I looked I looked up the YouTube.com email yeah, yeah. Uh, trailer, and that, an- that, answer, that answered your question. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, you're so really, you're just... really dying for this next installment, though. Must be pretty good. Yeah, it's the, the battles are really, like, the, the anime bits I could take or leave, honestly. It's kind of funny. To see like, oh, I I know, I know what bit they're doing now, um, but I'm really really enjoying this the sort of uh, pace of the battling and like the kind of um, uh, like thinking uh, uh, moves ahead uh, like a cadence of it is really really fun and and like enough that I might try to look into the multiplayer version although I can only assume if the AIs are kicking my ass in this game still I'm going to get absolutely roasted by people who have been playing this game since it came out in 2018 mm-hmm. so that that'll probably be a, a a fun time but yeah um I think story wise it's very um kind of uh it's not even like um like a war story as as much as you think it would be it's more like a kind of girl's dorm story that has war bits in the middle um you know the characters learn and grow and like uh have missteps that are like um kind of uh picked up and like expounded on on the battlefield but ultimately on the actual fights like you just have to win there's not a lot to it other than making sure you're positioning yourself really well there's a lot of times where like the game will throw a ton of enemies at you and this game's systems include kind of stagger part of the momentum of these like really heavy things is that when you get hit by something 
like a bazooka the size of a Gundam, it's so big that it will cause people to kind of take a step, right? It's basically crowd control in a way. And part of the systems here are like to stagger uh, multiple enemies with AOE attacks and also have your enemy AI, which are is surprisingly keen at doing this. When you like start a, a chain, you can like basically chain staggers into each other, making them like unable to respond if you don't get interrupted yourself by someone someone on the opposite team. Um, and they've tuned the AI to actually kind of hit those chains, and it feels really good. You get a, like a fucking sick like ping every time you add another uh, stagger to the chain, and uh, it just it feels like those great moments of anime battles where you're like everyone is doing like the team comes together in the right way you know that 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 great moment of like everyone hits their marks at the same time um yeah uh and yeah i think it's doing it's doing what i think its job is or what they hope is is to get people who haven't checked out this multiplayer game to be like hey maybe i should check out that multiplayer game because it actually like i get pulled in like being like oh single player gundam sure but then wait what if multiplayer gundam what if multiplayer gundam with different suits because in this one you're you're kind of locked into the like specific suits for this squad they're all like periwinkle um they're good they're good suits. They fucking rock, but uh, I also sometimes want to be a fucking Zagok. You can be a Zagok in the other one. I gotta show y'all what a Zagok looks like. I don't know. I, HR, please. <laughs> um, Look at this. Gato Gato showing me a Zagok. <laughs> uh, look at this motherfucker. Fucking love this shit. Look at that. That's a fucking robot. That's a, po- that's a Pokemon. <laughs> It kind maybe of a digi- yeah. maybe a Digimon. Uh, I love it. It's got like a dome. It doesn't really have a head. It's got like a torso and like a small head kind of poking out of that is torso. Because that, that looks more like an exosuit. No, that's a mech. That thing is like thirty stories tall. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I love is it. Is it as heavily armored as it looks? Yes, yes, it's part yeah, of the thing. Like, is like gotta be honest, that mostly looks like something they fought in like Power Rangers episode six hundred and forty-five. That's also uh, no, that's I that's that. Kind of, I don't. That's the, the claws guy. don't look great. I will say. Yeah, it's but. used for um, you know grabbing things underwater. Uh, that's the. Uh, th- by the way, that's amphibious. That first one I showed you was amphibious. Oh, I th- yeah. Okay, the claws did look a little bit like, uh, like squid-like. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, this is yeah. my favorite Mega Man villain. Yes, the Ak guy. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love the, okay. the later suits uh, in or but the this, middle. But suits this land when you just showed us, Kato, is starting to move into the territory that Patrick was worried about, where it might necessitate <laughs> a conversation with HR. So I think we should, uh, we should maybe leave off the Ixne the. Uh, Igakze uh, con- conversation wow. a bit. <laughs> hmm. and, Never was able uh, to do that as a kid. No, Always thought either. it was very impressive that other people could. Too much, too, too much mental gymnastics to get. Oh no, I can't do it. Like I'm not like I'm not even sure I did that right. I'm like uh, I'll just. Uh, it, <laughs> it sounded like, well, good. You could have. You could have just. <laughs> yeah. You could have. You got us. Like uh, <laughs> unless now this is now like opening like a, a wormhole where I'm wondering. Did no one know how to do it? And I just assumed they were experts uh, and they just bullshitted me the entire time. Damn, that'd be that's a that's good. 
what are you going to do? Check the work of somebody doing pig Latin? Like, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it does look kind of cool. I'm, like, kind of digging the look of this, honestly. Uh, from the screenshots, I was like, okay, is this going to be like a Dynasty Warriors, like, battler type thing? But, yeah, there's a little bit more, like, deliberation in movement and, like, positioning. Yeah. And, it's like, absolutely I like, like that shit. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I expected something closer to like a, a a virtual lawn, which is my big like kind of arcadey arena battler mech game of of my childhood. Um, but that's a lot more zippy than this, and this I think has a much better feel for like these things are fucking huge. They're heavy. They're when they take a fall, they take a fucking fall. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been really really fun. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what uh happens in the next volumes. I wonder whether there's three of them. I'm I'm guessing I might be controlling one of the other pilots for this these next two, which would make sense yeah. to me, but who knows. We'll see. Uh yeah, so that is see also we we've, we've we've tumbled to why I like I often end up feeling unsure like where to begin with Gundam because just the title of this game, I like immediately I'm like I feel like the odd, like I feel like there's such good odds of me getting the wrong game uh, with this, <laughs> like the, the sheer number of like mobile suit Gundam. Uh huh. Got it. B- battle operation. Okay. Code fairy. Great. Now we're getting. I, really- I, gave, I gave a different Gundam code to Austin a week ago, and then he was like, "I already bought that shit." And then I gave it to Kato. <laughs> uh, was that Super Robot Wars? Sure. Yeah. I gotta check that out still too. I mean, it depends. Well, yeah, it it depends on what you're looking for because I think this one does a really good job of doing the like. You, you know, just, you're you in the suit. The you're in pass. the fucking suit. You get the Gundam pass. You can just you get all the Gundams. Is that a thing? This isn't no. real, is it? <laughs> I was no. like, what? It sounds sounds real though. Doesn't it, it could be right. Like, there's been a bunch of like it's. It was like the 40th anniversary of Gundam, what, two years ago or something. So the, there's like been a bunch of random bullshit popping up of like, yay, more Gundam. Um. It, Rob, the place to Random start with Gundam. Kato or a celebration. That's a cele- yeah. <laughs> I mean, both. You know what? I mean, both. One and the same. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what do fans want from a celebration? Random bullshit. <laughs> Rob, the, the place to start with Gundam is first Gundam. Watch 0079, please, if you haven't already. All right, Will. Will do. I think I've seen some clips from that. I think Austin was once like... So you like disillusioned Vietnam era war movies, right? And I was like, do I? And he's like, okay, Mobile Suit 0079 might be here. Check this out. And I was like, that looks fucked up. Uh, so yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe I'll maybe cut I'll check to that Monday. Rob spent the entire weekend watching Gundam with his family. Oh no, I won't be spending the entire weekend doing that, Patrick. You already took care of my weekend plans. <laughs> Don't Can spoil it. Don't spoil it for people. Got my got my it's mother-in-law such a good coming over. On Monday. I am obliged to watch anime. Like, so, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, MK's mom. I need to. I look. I, I know you probably hoped we'd be chatting. You're or probably like, a couple. You're probably a couple podcasts behind on the Waypoint Plus feed. <laughs> anyway, point is, we have to watch this now. I will. I here. You know what? Why don't you listen to these podcasts before, uh, but before we start, and uh, you can get caught up and get ready. 
Uh, yeah, so but I don't think I'll have time to get into Gundam uh, this weekend because there's <laughs> other anime that I have to uh, that, that I have to dig into. Uh, sure. There's also something a few of us are going to be trying to dig into uh, this weekend a bit, and Patrick has already had a little taste. Mm-hmm. Um, Elden Ring. Patrick, you had a piece go up on the site uh, sort of outlining your impressions with a uh, demo slice you got. Um, the thing I latched on to was... So they have lost sectors now. I was <laughs> well, like, you're second. like, these are, these are boring ass <laughs> caves. And I was like, I oh, know that feeling. Lost sectors. Okay. Right. Boring ass caves. That tracks. <laughs> We're lost. What is that? I don't even get the reference. What's that from? Destiny two was yeah. like, Oh, you know what we're going to do to spice things up on that, uh, on the sort of open map? We're going to create little, like, uh, little mini dungeons for you to go, to go into and, like, mm-hmm. oh, who knows what's going to happen in those, in those little mini dungeons, these God. lost sectors. And, like, I'm playing, it's like, that's a lost sector. I'm going to go in there. And it's like a cave the size of a gas station parking lot, a big gas station parking lot. <laughs> But a gas station parking lot and about they, as mysterious. They got a little bigger. They got up to like three gas station parking lots. Oh, <laughs> like rest stops. Rest stops. Uh, I got so, so many, so many Coke options uh, at this gas station. It's still Coke though. Yeah, Elden Ring is. Uh, it's the 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 uh, comes out next February. Um, they're running a network test. It is from software developers of Dark Souls, Sekiro, Bloodborne. Um, Taking a, a lot of the kind of like high fantasy aesthetic uh, of Dark Souls and uh, the shorthand that we've kind of understood up until this moment has been and putting that in an open world and like and then but without really up until this moment quite knowing like what does that mean? Is it just a big map? Are we talking about like dynamic systems? Like what exactly is is FromSoft's interpretation of the big map um, that has become so popular in, in video games in in the last 10 to 15 years. Um, and this network test, which they've done network tests before. Um, I don't think they did one for Sekiro because it had no multiplayer, um, but I believe they did them for at least Dark Souls 3. And I think they did one for, for Bloodborne. Um, it's essentially a, like, not a beta test, but like kind of like an extended demo, a network, you know, a bandwidth test. Um, there frequently will be changes made between then and now. Like you'll look up YouTube videos of like Bloodborne network tests and you can see like a doors that are closed that were open uh, before and, and things like that. Um, so nothing major, but there there, are, there can be sort of design and architectural changes between, between now and then. Anyway, last week and I had a chance to jump in and sort of just play to my heart's content for about three days. Kato... Austin and yourself, who I've given codes to, will have no such pleasure. Unfortunately, God. you are stuck look, looking up the like three-hour windows over the course of uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that you can can jump into. Um, Wait, I played. You didn't have Windows oh, on the closed no, test. It was just oh. no, 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 it was just it was just play. I mean, I really did though. Like, yes, huh. in theory, I could play it whenever I wanted over the course of three days. Yeah, I was solo parenting that weekend, <laughs> and my window was um, nine to I should go to sleep, which is like roughly midnight. <laughs> so I really, I really should be. Cl- I, I mostly did play with three-hour windows. Uh, we got Patrick nine jujitsued to- out of that as we realized we're <laughs> steerage passengers in the SS Elden Ring, and Patrick's up there in the ballroom in first class. Mm-hmm. Being like, when shall we play? <laughs> Whatever your heart desires, sir. 
No, couldn't, couldn't quite convince the 18-month-old, like, don't you want to watch daddies see how the parries work? Uh, and didn't couldn't quite, couldn't quite get them over the finish line on that one. But uh, I, you know, it's it's a bit, you know, for people who are going to be playing this this weekend, because this podcast will come out in time, uh, it's a big chunk. There are, like, these fog gates that you will run into, not at first, but, like, eventually you'll be like, I'm going to see where this part of the map holds and then be like no you won't and you can see <laughs> shit beyond there like you can see enemies you can see um wow. sometimes the one time there was like a chest and it's like it's just right there Rude. you know like let, let you know like let me in uh like very very much so but there's so much to do that i think even if you were to spend your time maximizing all of the slots that they're going to be doing this weekend um i, I think you would find that you uh, may not even see everything that there is to see here. And like, that's nice. the question I kind of wrestled with in my impressions piece. The one that is not answered here, but we'll have to wait until a larger slice of the game is available is, you know, this isn't the sort of game where there are like massive dynamic systems. Like we, you know, we just recorded a podcast talking about stalker um, in which that's a game in which you truly feel like you can shoot a bullet in the air and like six different things could happen as a result of like what you've done to the scripting of the game, um, you know, and and or or Far Cry game or like these ones where it's like you you're you're colliding AI with a player in the mix. Like, what can they do? That's not really what this this is. This, this really is like um, it, it has much more of a feel of like a like a Hyrule field um, from like Ocarina of Time um, without the same gatekeeping. Zelda is very much like, hey. I know it seems like you could go to six different places. You're going to learn that you can't and you could just go over to this forest area so you can get the item that lets you go to the next area. It's not quite that, but it has that feel in which um, or Breath of the Wild. Uh, well, I guess Breath of, Breath of the Wild is truly open. Like, right. You can go to yeah. we talked about how you can go to the end in that. I don't I don't know and I won't know how the scale of that in Elden Ring till you know, I've got the final game in front of me sometime in probably late January. But um, what the, sort of like the, f- the flow, what you're doing is you have this big open space. There is some golden rays that are attached to your bonfire equivalents um, where you can level up and, and you know, change various systems related to the player. Um, but you don't have to do that. It's like you come out into this open, open area. It's like there's a beach down to your left and... There's a bunch of giants down there. There's a giant bunch of squid monsters. There's a number of caves that like go into the rock. Start exploring there. You can go over to the right. There's a big uh, lake. And it seems like some people are worshiping like a weird fire thing that I'm not going to get into because I'd rather people discover it. I'll see what's happening there. But actually, if I look at that lake, it seems like it like turns like into a, a river at a certain point. That river just keeps going. Um, <laughs> I should probably see what's at the end of that river. But then you look above that river and it's like, well, there's a bridge there too. And then I look over on that bridge and there's two giants that are carrying um, what is clearly like some loot that I can't access until I kill these giants. And beyond that, there's a bunch of uh, people who are uh, hammered away at these rocks. And like, it just, that's sort of the experience of Elden Ring is a lot of like going it's like around. It's a this travel log. It <laughs> like, is. I mean, yeah. Let me tell you about this bullshit I saw. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be a lot of experiences like that. Um, it's it's It feels very dense in a way yeah. that is... Uh, gratifying, satisfying to explore. 
you know, it's, it, you know, the time I spent with it, I certainly fought things, but I spent most of my time trying to answer that question of like, what is this world? What can I do in it? Cause I like, I yeah, of course it feels fucking good to sw- swing the sword mm. in this, in this game. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack there that Kato and I are going to watch yeah. like two hours of footage on a Twitch stream that I recorded where like, I, part of the reason I didn't see more than uh, of this uh, demo than I wanted to is because I really wanted to record footage and talk over it. So I like played the opening sequences of this game like three different times, just sort of like, all right, I think this is the best path to kind of give people a broad overview where we don't have to spend 15 minutes watching me struggle in the UI to figure out what exactly I should be doing. <laughs> so I have like two hours of just like, the, like a really, really streamlined playthrough of yeah. like a bunch of the opening areas. So I think that'll have a question we, for you. Cause, yeah. cause this is on my mind because of a conversation that listener, women plus listeners are going to hear us have next week uh, about like <laughs> uh-huh. open world games, but about like more authored specific, uh, specifically designed encounters versus what, what are some of the hallmarks of open world design. And one of the things I think about when I think about like FromSoft is that, you know, to your point about, in general, we know the basic combat moves feel good and feel precise in the way character moves. Like that stuff's all perfected. But the other part that I, the other thing I tend to associate with them is that there is no, there is no like just throwaway terrain in a FromSoft game, right? Like your footing, just the layout of where an encounter is happening always matters a great deal, right? Like what's the exact topography how many steps are there what are the sight lines all yeah, like these the, things yeah, the, the enemies right have deal. been placed in a way to account for the developers are thinking two steps ahead like the reason you're going to fall off this ledge <laughs> is because they know that you're going to hit like the circle button and back right. up and like that's going to be them and that also shows off the combat stuff like right. the controls like to their absolute best best effect and i am curious like when you were going out there in the world and starting to mix it up with some of the uh, enemies you find out there, did it still retain that feeling of special, like, oh, I can't take these guys lightly. I do have to, like, be aware of my surroundings. Or did it start to tip maybe a bit more in traditional open world territory of, like, there's some dudes, I'm going to go up there, I'm going to whack them. So, I mean, part of what's interesting is I think it, it it funnels you in a lot of different directions. There are instances in which, like, so when the game opens you like kind of in a very breath of the wild type fashion, you, you exit into from this dark, like kind of cave space to this big, bright, wide open space. Like this is really great job of like showing like, Hey, we know how to use color too. Um, (laughs) And you know, that's like, it's, it's, you know, not, not that like the, the color palette of their games are, are like particularly bland, but like, they're definitely like morbid and dark. And like this one has like a big bright yellow tree. Like that's like off the bat is like telling you that they're working with like a wider palette of, of colors and visual flourishes. But um, the, right up front is this giant enemy. And he looks bigger than just like a typical enemy. And it's the first one you encounter. You do not fight any goons. You do not fight any like mid-level enemies. You you look right in front of you and right out of the gate is a big ass motherfucker that you, you're pretty sure you probably shouldn't be fighting. And if you go up to him, the signal that this is a big ass motherfucker that you probably shouldn't be fighting is that he gets a health bar like at the bottom. It's like, oh no, the first encounter I'm having in this game is against what the game is classifying as a boss creature. And what you learn is, uh, you know, when you, when you first start uh, in the area, you don't have access to Torrent, who is the, like the the ghost horse that that you can use to to be more mobile in the world. Um, but 
you know, you, so you'll probably die. Then you'll spawn back at the, at the, at the checkpoint. Um, and you'll notice like, oh, there's like a little bit of grass over here. And this is a game that tries to bring in elements of the stealth from Sekiro, tries to bring in some of the uh, forwarded action from uh, Sekiro uh, in which you, you want to be engaging with sort of like stamina and staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of like the, the original, like the base level sort of like hit and dodge of, of a Dark Souls. Um, and, and where that plays into your question, Rob, is um, this isn't the sort of thing where I'm going to go get in a scrum and then like they're going to follow me across the map. Like this still has very much, it has the feeling of what From Software has done in the past where boy, you frequently come over to areas where all of the enemies appear to be just facing west. Not for any particular reason. It's because that's the set piece. Like <clears throat> They've placed the enemies there and they're less concerned frequently with having them appear organic in the environment, you know, milling about, going about an AI pattern. So that when you do encounter those, it feels deliberate. And so you, you, you know, like for example, early on you're approaching um, part of a castle. And in that castle area, there's like six soldiers lined up. If, if you go up higher up and look behind after you respawn them, there's a bunch of wolves up there and giants up there. And they're just all standing still. They're not doing anything because they have not been triggered by the player. But then right in front of that is from the that 15-minute gameplay uh, demonstration, Kyle, you remember like there's yeah. kind of like a bandit camp that you can invade. That's yes. that bandit camp. Yeah. Um, okay. And that has like people sitting down in front of a fire getting warm. It has people patrolling in front of a spot that is very clearly hiding some stairs downstairs where you can get some loot. Mm. It very much has like uh, a big soldier type who is like a captain equivalent, who is who is marching back and forth and, you know, in theory, looking over like the soldiers that they're overseeing. And so it it has mixtures of these types types of elements. In addition to, there are like in the night and day cycles, you'll get different enemy types that appear in sort of like the, the overworld. And so like there are these uh, kind of flying creatures that look like taken out of like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, um, like the, with the beholders, right? like the big eye. Eyeball. Like, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah the eyeball. Lots, like, lots sort of eyeballs. Yeah. Like sort of like that. And they got wings. I'm sure there's like a better equivalent, but like that's what kind of came to mind when I was watching it. And like mm-hmm. those, those mobs just sort of appear and are wandering around. And, and like I was <laughs> carefully setting up a stealth, attack on one of the bandits in the camp and then one of those came over and was like rah, rah. and I was like alright well <laughs> that that's not what I meant to do and so then as a result of those uh, those creatures attacking me then gave an opportunity for this base ass uh, soldier that otherwise should have no business fucking with me to get in some free hits and then I rolled too far into the bandit camp which then prompted the person with the the, trombo- uh, the, the trumpet to go <laughs> do 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 and like alerted the entire band. I was camp. really hoping he had a trombone. Yeah, like, just does a slide. I know that. that uh, and then all of a sudden, I have uh, fifteen enemies slowly barreling down on me. Um, at which point, I then like I, I used my the ring to summon uh, uh, torrent my you know the, the the ghost horse you have, and I just rode away. And I was like, all right, I'm bailing out. Like I'm just not <laughs> done with this encounter. Nothing. Like want nothing, nothing to do with it, and. And to that degree, part of what I'm I'm interested in, I think what the open world is going to allow for, there are a lot of sort of ways that the game allows you to adjust the tension that you want to experience at any moment in time, <clears throat> in which so much of what happens in Dark Souls 
or the Souls games in general, is like you are just at the mercy of what, what From Software wants to do to you at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you're in this hallway, whatever tra- uh, traps and tricks and enemies they set up, that's just what you got to deal with. It's a very linear level based thing, even when they get into finding shortcuts um, and like giving you the sense that I could go to two different areas. Like it's still an extremely linear experience and you don't have a ton of control over like I'm in the mood for X. Like basically in a Souls game, it's like I'm either in the mood to grind for Souls because I just kind of want to engage with the combat but not learn anything or I'm going to push forward. Um, And here it's like there were times where I was I was I put my kids to sleep. I was fucking tired. Like I really didn't want to do a boss fight. Like I looked at the dragon that people have seen in the trailer. And I was like, I just I don't I don't want to do it. But I, I do need to play this game for work. And can I find a different mode to operate in where it's just not as or at least I can work up to wanting to fight that dragon. And I could I could get on my horse and I could basically scout an area. And it's like, OK, like I see it. I see a cave there. I see a place off to the right there. I can mark things on my map or like points of interest that I'd like to come back and explore. And I spent like an hour just taking in the sites and like. Uh, going past areas where I saw like sets of enemies that I wasn't engaging with, um, but didn't have to because I was fast enough to to get past them. Um, and that's just a that combined with the ability to do these things called summons, which are uh, purchasable, sort of like in in Dark Souls uh, when you approach traditionally a boss, um, you can either summon in a friend to come play with you. Or you could summon in a rando. Or if you're playing offline, frequently the game was like, do you want to summon in a, a like a ghost NPC that will like go in there and basically just like sponge some damage um, for you? Um, and what what Elden Ring does is like, would you want to just do that like whenever you want, most of the time? There are limitations. Like it's easier to explain in video, but basically, there needs to be like a certain statue nearby, and they're nearby all the time. But they're selectively placed, and in the corner, the game has an icon that's telling you, hey, you can or can't use a summon at this moment in time. And so, like, there are moments where, uh, like, one of the times I, like, raised through the the bandit camp was like, you know what? I'm going to summon these three wolves. I'm going to send them off that way. And by send them off, you can't direct them, but I can sort of, like, get them started in in an an attack pack, like, bait an enemy in. The wolves go after them. I was like, and I'm going to go after that captain, like, while they're distracting all of those enemies. Um, Mm. And like, it's those modes where, you know, you could easily play this game and not use the summons in the same way that you may not want to summon help in, you know, a dark, like I mostly play those games solo, even though they very much let you play with other people, encourage you to play with other people. Like I enjoy the one-on-one difficulty Um, and Elden Ring more than any other game. I don't know that I would call it like a direct response to the, like these discourse questions of like giving, Dark Souls an easy mode, but I do think this game gives, in conjunction with its open world, is giving the players lots of different ways to approach the game on their own terms and end up doing things like difficulty scaling in the process, both in terms of the exploration and in terms of like the the things you can sort of like summon as as an aid. But uh, uh, the last point I make uh, would just be um, because you would I think you had noted this in your tweet, Rob, about my piece was. And this is one thing where it's it's left on it's it's left unanswered because it will have to be something where I encounter more of it in the game itself. It's like one of the main modes of things you find off the beaten path is a cave. Um, um, and sometimes I didn't even find that cave. I just rode past it, looked at my map, and it was like you found the despair cave or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I did. <laughs> I guess I'll turn around and go back to that despair cave. Um, didn't need to look far. 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of despair in the world of Elden Ring. So that being assigned one cave makes me makes me wonder <laughs> what's so bad about that one. Um, it's a spoiler. Like, there's not that much bad about that one. Like, the multiple caves uh, that I went in in this area, and based on gameplay footage, I've seen lots of places that I didn't see. Um, uh, but the ones that I did find, you know, the, the promise of like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go off. Sort of like the lost the lost sectors. Like, I'm gonna go into this mysterious cave. Have wild unique encounters off the beaten path it's like no i'm gonna like walk down this cave path and there's like four wolves and then a chest and then off to the side is a is a mini boss i can fight um that's really not that hard and it's like oh literally in lost sector literally the yeah. same like oh yeah just some dregs down here and a captain and, well and there's uh, a reason a like i mean nothing's right it's so hard right there's a reason that like this is just what games do. Like this is, you go back to like old school RPGs, right? Yeah. It was like, what are you going to find on the edge of like the o- overworld map or in like, uh, like the countryside maps of games like this, where it's going to be a cave. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to, cause they're, they're simple to build. They're easy to lay out and you can, you don't have to do like a lot of, set decoration of them to make them look more cave-like. Well, and it's just a fancy way. Right. In, in, in this case of, of hiding a chest. Yes. It's like, okay, like we want to put this in a unique location um, without, you know, allocating resources. But but th- there are unique bosses down there. Like kind of like you go down mm. there and, you know, there'll be a fog gate. And okay. you go in there and there's there's a unique ass, not Wait, just hold a random on. I didn't goblin. Know there's a fog gate down there. That, well, yeah. well yeah. see, Destiny feel- is like, here's a gold barred, uh, gold hit hit pointed uh, version. Here's of a the same very, seen of, an, an extra beefy captain. He's just yeah. extra beefy. <laughs> um, well, so it's oh also no, he's got oh. <laughs> no. It's not. It's not quite that. It is a it is a uniquely designed, you know, creature. But the thing the thing is, like, I'm not trying to wade into like. Hmm. <laughs> but I did write this in my preview. I was like, could you make these harder, please? Um, because wow. it's like. Wow, Patrick f- to Elden Ring bosses get good. Well, when you go into a fog gate, there's a certain expectation, right? You're like, oh <laughs> damn! Ah shit! Time to throw down, right? Yeah, like, oh, I'm fucking good. Those mobs, like, uh, like get fucked. Like, I'm ready to get my ass kicked by whatever's behind this door. And it's like, I don't know how they're gonna. Ch- they may change the difficulty scaling. Like, it's that's part of what these these uh, tests are for. But it's like. These these three wolves that you can summon, the two summons I found in in my playthrough at the first vendor, there may, maybe there are more elsewhere. Uh, was uh, I was playing sort of like a wizard a wizard type who's got like a, some dex uh, scaling to dex to have like um, long pointy uh, items that are like swift and and fast, um, and then using uh, a selection of magic spells um, and. <laughs> And so one of the summons is like, what if I summoned myself, but like 120 years old, my back hurts. I can still, I can still fart out a spell if I think about it real hard, but otherwise I'm just here to get hit by this thing in front of me. And then the other summon is, uh, three fucking wolves that just, <laughs> um, now my understanding is you can upgrade those summons. So it's like, I, I could probably you know, get that old, old wizard, um, back, uh, feeling youthful with, uh, a little bit of experience points. But, um, uh, you know, I, I went in the first time, like fought this mini boss, like the sort of thing you do when the first time you fight any boss in a souls game is like, all right, not really looking for a W here, mostly here to kind of feel out what are the attack mechanics and, and maybe I'll get lucky and, and manage to get through it. Um, and so I end up dying. Um, uh, but like, 
it was like, I was like, I got like half his health and I wasn't thinking about it too much. And then I go in there, summon the wolves, sit back, and the wolves just eat him. Just like, rah, 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 like just done. Like, I didn't do anything. Like, oh I went over there and like poked him with my spear because I felt like I wanted to, I didn't want the wolves to think I was taking advantage of their kindness um, <laughs> coming from the spirit realm and aiding me in the, uh, in this, in this world. Um, and, and so what I can't tell is, is that a, there's going to be a million of these. And uh, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't sweat that like th- that they weren't, it wasn't particularly like unique or challenging. Cause like, Hey, over the course of playing this game, there's like potentially hundreds of rooms like these. And they're mostly just going to be, would you like some fancy set dressing on the treasure chest that we have at the bottom? And that's fine. Um, but that would end up, I think being slightly disappointing if that's all they, all they were, which is, was that, Hey, we've taken the dark souls, level design just dragged it out a little further and then put some caves in um FromSoft seems too smart for that to be the case um and, and I think it's also a matter of I don't know I don't know what I haven't seen right yeah. and so it could be the case that I just got like a a bad roll of the dice on the the couple of caves that I did find um or or maybe that's indicative of a world in which that's how they're kind of doing some of the padding. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but, um, it's good. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the long short of it. Like I worth have my waking concerns, up at six in the morning for, uh, asking I for think I, I, these are concerns I started having as I was like hitting the six hour mark. Mm. The first couple hours, Kato. Yeah. I mean, I was like, just sitting back and feasting. I was yeah. like, my God, <laughs> like, they fucking did it. Like I like Breath of the Wild. I don't know that I love it. I like it a lot. Uh-huh. Um, but I would. I have always thought like, what if they did the game, the one for me? And it's like, <laughs> buddy, it I think I think it's I think it's here. I th- I think it's Elden Ring. Um, because uh-huh. like as much as I'm being slightly critical of of the caves and what's the dynamism of the open world like. Man, I don't give a shit that much. I was like, just let me explore a bigger Dark Souls is probably yeah. like good enough for me. Um, and then everything else is 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 just a cherry uh, on top. All right. Uh, well, I just had a quick question. Yeah, do you have any yep. questions, Kyle? Well, my, uh, like about, quick one was like, we'll go over a lot of this on the stream. Yeah. Like that'll be we'll, like we'll I'll, I'll have a chance to. Ex- yeah, and there's a lot of mechanics to explain that I just don't think are worth getting into yeah. here. I think that's like it'll be better suited for me to explain when you can actually. Um, see it, but if, if if you had any anything else, I'm I'm happy to field them. Um, no, I guess mostly I I won I wondered how often you ran into NPCs out here. Um, just there is one there is uh often enough I you know this world feels more lived in uh, or I mean not lived in because even in Bloodborne Dark Souls it those places feel like they were lived in before right. chaos once upon a time arrived. yeah. Because frequently in these games, you are arriving after the disaster has decimated um, the place that you're exploring. Um, whereas Elden Ring feels as though you are in a place that is decaying, but is not dead. Um, and in fact, like one of the first NPCs you come across who looks like Santa, frankly. <laughs> It'll make sense when you see him. Um, right. You know, one of the comments that they have for, for you is like, we just really appreciate what you folks do. The tarnish, like... You make it so we can have jobs here. <laughs> like, I mean, like, because otherwise, absent the tarnished, like this place would be in in much uh, worse uh, shape. And huh. you know, there's 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 like uh, foxes and like penguin kind of equivalents. Like, there are there are live 
like living non zombie like creatures all over the place mm. here. Like there is a thriving ecosystem that exists beyond the decay that, that is occurring. Um, and that part is really cool and makes me like so interested to see what other biomes they, they have hiding. Like atmosphere is a thing that yeah. they do so exceptionally well. And this one feels like you're in kind of a spring fall, um, gr- grassy area. Um, and, you know, the, the promise of this game having, you know, three, four, five of, of areas of like this where you have different environmental effects makes me really excited to see what they do in terms of how they represent what lives in this world and, and why it lives in this world. Yeah. Because it certainly feels like it has a place. It doesn't feel like they're just dropping stuff randomly. It, it, um, and the NPCs feel uh, – they feel more natural here. Hmm. Um, I, like, you know, blood like Bloodborne – like hid most of its NPCs right. behind doors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone's everyone hiding. was hiding. <laughs> um, and, and the NPCs in the souls games frequently felt just like just total weirdos who've lost their brains and like, they should be <laughs> hiding somewhere, but they're not. Instead, they're instead they're in front of these pots selling you items. Um, and then Sekiro is like the n- most normal <laughs> of like any of right. the game worlds right. um, that they have where they can, they can have people uh, represented, but you don't do a lot of talking. In, in that game. Yeah. Um, so this one kind of splits the difference, I think, between uh, a lot of their approaches. So, you know, I haven't found like the equivalent of like, you know, wandering the overworld and th- there's a vendor on a horse. Um, mm. But, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where like I go, I went along the beach and like underneath this one area was like someone in front of a fire and ha- with a donkey um, uh, just chilling and was like, yo, yo, yo. Don't hit me. Do you want, do you want to buy some <laughs> Don't shit? Don't kill me, please. Um, so, so I would say, you know, like, free, frequently enough. Um, nice. It definitely feels like a much more lived-in space than than the worlds they've created prior. And and that that part, more than just novelty, is cool to see them building that stuff out. Yeah. It, um, you know, I think, like, the the few times you do get NPCs in a lot of, like, the Dark, Dark Souls, like, they're they they're dropping hints of like lore and shit, and I just wonder like spread yeah, a lot out of that. over and, and that. Actually, like I mean, it, that's that's catnip to me. It's like, oh yeah, give me more people to give me different like lore and different stuff from many different angles. Uh, well, they and they even have, um, and this would be like easier to 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 explain in in the footage. But like when you you have like more options when talking to an NPC. Uh, um, like for example, uh, the first vendor you come across, uh, it's there's an option that says recommendation. And you hit recommendation, and then the the vendor's like, "Hey, you should buy this crafting kit. Like, it'd be really useful to do X, Y, and Z." And I think that's also like another way of FromSoft acknowledging, like, this game's probably gonna be fucking huge. I think this game is going to be like the biggest, most successful thing that this studio has ever been a part of. Like, I'm I'm pretty confident and and marking it. And they almost seem to recognize that to a certain degree, yeah. where it's like, "Hey, you know." Most games would give you the crafting kit. You would come out the first. There's an NPC. There's there is a character you talk to right at the beginning of the game, and that character would give you the crafting kit because it would say, "We really think it's important for you to have this." Yeah. And this game doesn't do that. <laughs> this game asks you to kill a couple of enemies, get enough currency, and purchase it from a vendor completely optionally. Um, right. And so having something like that, that's like, "Hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge." We really recommend you like pick this up um, in a way that feels you know, diegetic. It's like, it's, it's a character talking to you in a very naturalistic way, as opposed to 
a big interface thing that comes up right. and goes like, "Hey, like, uh, buy the craft. We re- we recommend the crafting kit, and then here's three menus to scroll through explaining how the crafting kit works." Right now, they give you those menus, but it's just after you purchase the crafting <laughs> kit, and uh, they want to explain, you know, how exactly to apply it. So it's little things like that that you know, uh, I think you can see from acknowledging the own the broadening of their own uh, appeal and like the mainstreaming of their games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it ties into, and we can close the, the book on, on this discussion here with, with like teasing out part of that stalker discussion that we had that'll make more, more holistic sense <laughs> when you can listen to the podcast next week. But one of the points we were talking about was in thinking about stalker too. Um, who are they making that game for? And to what degree does like increased production values, the popularity and exposure of something to wider audiences end up dulling rough edges and what do you even define as the rough edges um mm-hmm. and we were thinking we we're talking through that in the context of of stalker um shadow chernobyl and, and i think you you can see a lot of in elden ring them thinking through that question as something more more sim- more complex than a difficulty mode and instead what are different ways within the framework that we have to make the game more approachable more accessible um you know, beyond just like allowing you to flip on, uh, you know, you know, God mode or, or something like that. And I think it's, I think their answers to that are interesting and thoughtful. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out through, through the rest of the game. And I'm curious to see what, what you, what you make of it, Kata, when you, yeah, when you actually get a chance to play it. Very excited to, to hop in tomorrow at 6 a.m. Well, I will have already, by the time you're hearing this, dear listener, you'll, I will have played it. Future Cotto well, is good, living. I, I guess uh, that's that's even better because you'll have played it when we watch when, the footage, yeah, yes, um, which exactly. I think it easier to talk about um, than me explaining everything. Um, I'll have to think of any pro tips for you so you can make the most of it. Um, <laughs> Especially morning, like so. being kind of sleepy, like <laughs> yeah. Make sure make, uh, <laughs> who should I fight first? Play. If you are if you are in the network test, uh, make sure you know how to use, uh, look up how to use the pouch. Um, if you're not using the pouch. You'll, it'll it'll make sense when you're playing the game, but just make sure you use the pouch. You should probably attach your oh, pouch. torrent ring to that. The, um, and uh, what's what, what else? Um, uh, fight the dragon immediately. <laughs> just just make a fucking I didn't, fight, I didn't fight. I didn't fight the dragon, which apparently people. Well, I don't want to say. People said that's like the, one of the more useful uses of the horse, um, which I didn't. Hmm. I didn't run into as much. So um, just yeah, just make sure you use the pouch. Would be the the one I would think of off the top of my head, because I've talked to a couple of people that didn't know how that worked, and then they missed out on a good way to use multiple items. So, yeah, Elden Ring. Well, I'm sure we'll be loop back around to more discussion of that yeah. next week once 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 Kato's played it. All right. And we're going to take a quick break here, and when we return, we'll finally get to that Battlefield discussion slash therapy <laughs> session over That's, the that, review event. The fact oh, my God. We started this podcast... <laughs> Back after this. Gundam, and then you transitioned to Battlefield, and then I was waiting for you to bring up Battlefield, but instead you brought up Elden Ring as just Rob Immaculate. Just chaos energy. That's that's <laughs> what I said. And yet, I'm very much about planning. I try to script all this out, and yet it all goes wrong. The 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 two in, inside me there are two wolves. I I haven't unlocked the third wolf. Uh, for some <laughs> so I've just got these two. Uh, anyway, we'll be back after the break. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So if you're listening to this, chances are my review is on the website right now. It is possible that the review will have changed since we had this conversation because I will have like thought differently about some stuff, whatever. The review was written sort of in the immediate aftermath of the Battlefield review event. I think this is useful to discuss about reviews do not exist in some sort of isolated vacuum where it's like you appreciated the full game. Uh, So this week I spent three days uh, attending an online review event for Battlefield 2042. And... I should say up front that I have a great deal of sympathy for how difficult I imagine running an event like this was for Electronic Arts and DICE uh, because like it is it's COVID times. Uh, they are trying to run a secure online event just days before they actually bring these servers live uh, for their pre-order customers. Uh, They're trying to take a bunch of different journalists uh, from all over, uh, you know, all over North America and Europe. Uh, That was the session I was in. Try to sort of walk them through uh, the many features of this game in short order. And so I understand that like there, it was inevitable. There were going to be a lot of technical hiccups and it was probably not going to be, an ideal experience uh, for playing a game like Battlefield. But at the same time, the event wasn't good. Um, and I think it probably it's it, like, this is where I'm kind of left uh, with my review is it's a little tough for me. I think I've done the work when I was writing this of separating my reaction to how the event went from mm-hmm. like what I actually have to say about the game. Like I'm pretty sure like, well, it's, way- and it's, it's funny because it's it's your uh, experience in a review event is probably not – it's better these days, but also probably not dissimilar to, to day one players of a lot of multiplayer games in which you bought the thing, maybe you took the day off work, and then it turns out the servers are just on fire yeah. and you cannot play the game that you purchased and that if you were to wait a day, a week, um, you'd be able to play the game – Good or bad, closer to the the intended experience as they work, they work out uh, that sort of stuff, and so that's that be that, that's like part of that difficult dance, both as a reviewer and as just someone you know playing games when they come out is like understanding. Yeah, does it seem like this stuff should be figured out better by now? It just turns out those problems remain extremely hard, no matter how many times you do them, and it's not like Dice hasn't done <laughs> done this before, right? So, like I like I think. When I'm talking about Battlefield 2042, I'm pretty sure I can, like, speak confidently about my reactions to the game itself, and they're not too colored in by the uh, by the event itself. But at the same time, like, there is no way I got, 
like that much of a taste of any of the modes or any of this game uh, and even less than was intended because the event went really poorly. So just to, just to sketch out, uh, the event was four day, uh, three days long, four hours a piece to get into the event. You sort of had to commit to I'm going to be there four hours a day for each of these uh, each stage of this event. Um, this, fe- this feels like in um, years past, Activision would do these Call of Duty events in which bring everyone out uh, in or in order to get proper early access to do the review, they would fly you out to a thing that was partially their marketing department wanting to spend marketing dollars. But I can imagine functionally from the the developer publisher perspective was like, we get these people's attention. They can play the single player. I think it was often be like, you can play the single player campaign in your hotel rooms. We'll have you set up there. And then there would be like, you go to like conference rooms to do multiplayer sessions. And you'd be in these controlled environments where they could set everything up and focus your attention. You'd be there for two or three days and then you'd go home with a copy of the game to, to poke at for a couple of days before you wrote your review. And maybe something like that would have right. happened here where like, Hey, we have remote sessions for people who are virtually, but Hey, otherwise we'd love to fly people out to, you would have, you would have taken a train to New York and you would have played this game yep. for two days at a hotel. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so the first day, and this is like where things start to go, like just, haywire from from the jump uh the first day like the first half of the day is supposed to be playing the breakthrough mode in battlefield 2042 and for a bunch of people we just can't get into games like matchmaking fails and do what what mode is that breakthrough is uh it's uh it's not quite rush but it's close it's it's like this was the sort of most common mode in like battlefield one where it's like you take the big map you move sector by sector across defending team is trying to hold to capture points mm-hmm. and the attacking team once they have occupied both capture points and flipped them uh the front line moves and the defending team has to fall back to the next sector and the and the battle the battle moves i think what distinguishes rush is that rush is a bit more of a um counter-strike style like in terms of retaking the point and deactivating uh like the explosives that have been, pla- that have been planted there's a little bit more of those um there's a little bit more more opportunity for like clutch plays in rush mm-hmm. is the way i would put it uh whereas breakthrough is a little bit more of a uh cut down domination mode that's just uh, isolated to one sector of the map at a time. So we're supposed to be playing Breakthrough um, and nobody in my squad, because uh, they, they they pre-assign you to squads in this when you get your login info for the event. So like, you go to the special Discord server and uh, you like get on comms with your squad. I was there with someone from Fanbyte and someone from uh, Shack News. Whoever was supposed to be the fourth on our squad didn't show to the event. Um, and we just couldn't get in and we're like, yeah, matchmaking isn't working. We can't get into the mode. They keep being like, we're working on it. Hey, we're working on it. Two hours go by and they're like, we think we fixed it. Anyway, we're shutting down the breakthrough servers and please, uh, get ready for the next part of the presentation where we present conquest mode. And so, like, we just spent two hours, like, sort of in a hurry up and wait mode. And the thing that, like, kind of poisoned this was a bunch of people were in, uh, had managed to get into a match. And it was just kind of like, 
they had just sort of done triage and they're like, we can't get these other folks into the match. But then they didn't <laughs> tell anyone like, hey, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> so instead, like if you didn't get if you, if you can be match made, you're just sitting there for two hours uh, w- waiting to get into the match. And when we play conquest mode. Probably like I was already in kind of a sour mood, but I think the, and this is where I'm starting to get into like Battlefield 2042 stuff. Like the dismay I felt when I finally loaded into a match and like just started to feel out what the game is. Um, I did not like just about any decision they made in Battlefield 2042. Like Oof. didn't like a single bit of it. Um, like we're talking down to basic stuff. Like the guns themselves, like gun feel <laughs> had no feel. Like mm. it was, it was like almost a stereotype of Call of Duty uh, gun mechanics, where like there's just no recoil at all. Like you just point and click, and like it goes that 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 that, and somebody dies like immediately. That's kind of how every gun felt uh, in this game, and you could say like, well, you know, there it's not like Battlefield One or Battlefield Five where it's like older weapons, it's like all modern weapons, so like they're gonna be different, and they're gonna like they're gonna be real tight. And it's like, that's not really like that's that's not Battlefield's not a sim, right? Like mm. it's it's not like, oh yeah, modern weapons just don't have recoil. Yes, they fucking do. Like a machine gun still has big recoil, right? Uh it is that they have chosen to mute all that recoil and make it much more of a just point and click shooting gallery. Um, and there is not much feel of like coming to grips with a weapon at all. And so at this point, the gun, the, the game has like a big menu of weapons you can pick with lots of different attachments, but they're also lacking in character that I'm like, I don't know that I care that much. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know that I care. And also it seems kind of mooted because in conquest mode, that's the one where it's the full map. There's all these control points, uh, teams, a crew, uh, like basically teams start making progress toward winning the match once they control majority of the sectors and that will slowly like move them in the tug of war. That'll sort of start moving them toward, uh, toward victory. Um, in this mode, they're kind of showing off. Well, one of the big selling points of 2042 is the maps are so big and they are, they're real big to the point where, as if you're playing, if you like playing infantry, like if you like being a guy running around with a gun in Battlefield, um, I don't know what the fuck you are doing there because <laughs> you have no, like, you might as well not be. Like, Conquest mode was basically, there are two ways to play that mode. Uh, hop in a tank, and they're all ridiculously fast tanks. Like, every single thing, like, performs like an F-Zero car. <laughs> uh, whether or not it's like an ATV or a uh, like M1 tank, they all just like rocket around the map. Uh, but two, like because the map is so big to be scaled up for these vehicles, most of it's just empty ground. So you can either be in a vehicle, in which case like you're relevant and you have stuff to do during the match, or you can go be a sniper, uh, which is what a lot of people also do is like, hey, big map, huge sight lines. Uh, this is my chance to just pull out a sniper rifle and just fucking camp. And it's like, I was sort of thinking, I was like, 
Oh no, they made the Battlefield game for the worst Battlefield players. <laughs> Which probably, you know, probably a good move, honestly. Like the like the the folks who love this stuff like really love it and I think that is a huge part of the Battlefield uh audience. But like it just felt so different after Battlefield 1 or Battlefield 5 where maps were big, but all of it sort of hung together a little bit. It wasn't like vehicles were completely divorced from like inventory action. Mm. Everything sort of existed on a, like, yes, there were places where vehicles were more powerful and places where they basically couldn't go at all, but it didn't feel like the two parts of the game couldn't even communicate. But here there's a number of regions where, where they're basically hived off from each other because here's how they solve this problem. Uh, so there's places where vehicles just dominate, right? Uh, the maps are huge, and so vehicles are going to be the easiest way to get around. So, like, what kind of – how do you make sure that, like, people who want to play the shooter part are going to have interesting things to do? Uh, you create isolated, self-contained parts of the level where vehicles basically can't go, and it turns into, like, a little mini-shooter level uh, where only infantry can go. And it's kind of a neat idea, but again – like so, let me give you an example. There's there's a match they they showed this in the early previews of the game. There's there's a map where um, it's like some sort of uh, tech pavilion in Korea, and it's got like the skyscrapers ringing the Central Park, and uh, vehicles kind of dominate the the main Central Park, and then in the center of this thing, there's this like convention center hall that you go into. And it's multi-level. It's got lots of stairwells and like uh, galleries and such, and a, and a basement. Uh, there's some places like server stacks where it's like a lot of like little uh, tight corridors. And so infantry goes in there, and you're basically playing. Honestly, it feels like Goldeneye level. Like that. Like it <laughs> felt. It felt like complex and library more than anything in the world huh. to me. It was like they put complex and library in the center of this battlefield map. Which is kind of the idea, except, um, well, now I'm just playing a battlefield game, but I'm just running and gunning in a tiny little building. Yeah. Uh, well, like there's a big battle going on outside and I'm just staring at these like, you know, four walls. Um, and that's kind of the, the other solution they had was you can also go to these skyscrapers, fight your way through the lobby, ride a little elevator to the top and like try to take the objectives on the roof. And you get in some like rooftop gun battles. And those are kind of cool. The roofs are attacked, uh, attached by like zip lines. But the idea, but what, what it ends up being is these are like just the infantry zones where it's like, oh, you want to go be infantry in this match? Uh, go play in your little infantry sandbox. Oh, you want to be a tank? Go play in the big tank park. Um, hmm. But it feels like, the two the areas are completely divorced from each other like they, there's no interaction yeah. and so when i was like between deaths like each time i spawned in it didn't feel like oh man like where should i go based on how this this battle is going it really did feel like you go to a different spawn and you're just in a different level you're in a different match right. and you're just completely like out of whatever is happening uh, elsewhere in a way that like feels different and weird to me for a Battlefield game. This is kind of a bummer to hear, especially after the year the year that, we're, uh, that we had earlier this year um, playing uh, Hell at Loose. Yeah. Right? Like, 
the the idea of like what if hell let loose but then also there's a tornado on the map seems kind of like oh yeah that's that seems like it'll be fun but it feels like they've yeah they've totally not uh meshed these two um uh uh different levels of uh engagement in that game so in theory could basically anyone be in a tank because i remember they they used to be kind of like there would be oh, yeah, they're, spawn they're limits. everywhere now there's just like if you want one grab one basically yeah like i think there's still limits but like the limits are pretty high like uh-huh. i think for the most part when i brought up my vehicle menu like just about everything was available uh huh. for me if i wanted it so right. it, like like you're you're on the map and like it rarely felt like one team was winning the vehicle war or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. it was just vehicle chaos uh, at all times. Like I just play more to to get a sense of how that really is balanced. But it did not it did not feel like um, old school battlefield where it's like you have to queue for the respawn on the tank or right. the plane. It was more like uh, I'm just going to spawn myself one of these things and we're gonna we're gonna have at it. Um, the the other thing I would say is um, my whole squad, we couldn't figure out like, because as you might imagine, like the ranges are pretty long. So we're like, we need good optics for our guns and none of us seem to be able to get them. And I thought the feature was just broken. Hmm. No, I'm pretty sure now based on like the last day of the event that the feature wasn't broken. It's just that it feels like with each battlefield, EA and DICE find a new way to create the most obtuse interface for basic shooter shit I've ever seen. Like this goes back to battlefield three, like introducing battle log, which was like, it's going to be a browser based. Like you'll manage all your battlefield shit through battle log. Um, and it was like, this is not an improvement, but okay, we'll, we'll use it. I remember that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this will have you nostalgic for Battle Log. You're like, oh my goodness, Battle Log was the shit. That was just like a spa day of customization. Because what they've got here are, uh, like, it's so weird. Let me see if I took a screenshot of it. But like, it's it's so weird. Um, you'd it almost needs to be seen to be believed. Uh, because what they did was you can. You can select, you can go into your loadouts in the main menu and you go to like a gun, uh, like say, you know, a, a G3 rifle or something. You open up your G3 rifle and there's like a little crossbar um, with little like panels coming off of it. And they're associated with like, there's your barrel upgrade. There's your foregrip upgrade. There's your uh, stock upgrade. There's your sights upgrade. And you can put like three things in these slots. And so I'm like, okay, I need fucking like, I need a fucking zoom scope for these rifles for these huge matches. Like I I just, I can't be using iron sights out there. I cannot see shit. Mm -hmm. So I do it and I put these things like on all my weapons and I go into the match. I'm still back in iron sights. Like just nothing seemed to have stuck. No, it turned out what I needed to do was move and I don't know what, like, I do not know why this was working this way, but I had to move stuff from the top, like from the, from the outermost uh, ring of like the sites menu and bring it to like the, the first ring, the, the primary box of it. So like you'll have three sites picked out and it in the match, it gives you the first one. I don't know why then you have two slots for the sites you're not going to have, yeah. or why, why can't I what fix is, this in the match? What are the, but other one of my squad even. 
I don't know. One of my squad mates, though, was saying he couldn't use the menu I was using, and he was using his T menu in the game uh, to uh, swap out like optics on guns. So like it was confusing to everybody. By the way, people <laughs> who have played a lot of military shooters and were all just like, I don't know, like, how am I supposed to be customizing this? I have no clue, which is. Also, these menus were slow as hell. Like everything, it was like, um, like, you know how when Microsoft is experimenting with like the Metro interface and it's like, mm-hmm. it's going to be big, blocky and colorful and like really easy to use. But by like making it so streamed down, everything took a million clicks and like you had to just go down a layer and then back up two layers. Like everything required like going in and out of the same uh, like sub menus. That's kind of how this works. So it's not like you can just go and like real quick be like, I want this sight, this barrel, this mu- th- this ammo and this this uh, uh, this like stock upgrade uh, for my gun. No, you have to go to the optics menu, put on your optics back out to the main gun menu and then be like, all right, now to the barrel menu. <sighs> you have to do that. And, and each time like there's a little animation like swish while you transition. Uh-huh. So all this stuff takes forever. Like just basic stuff where it's like, I just want to go like bada bing, bada boom and move through my customization options. Yeah. All this stuff takes like a shocking number of like clicks. Um, and the iconography isn't super strong. So yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not great. It's like real weird. That this is how they opted to do it, uh, and this is nested. This is sort of resting atop their sort of big new change, which is that the typical like battlefield class system has been augmented, let's say, by specialists. Specialists exist within traditional battlefield classes of like assault, medic, support, uh, but now specialists are characters. Uh, like Apex style or Rainbow Six style, where they have like special abilities and like kit that they can that they can use uh and i don't get it like i mean it it, it works but like i just i don't fundamentally like get why they did this it mm-hmm. doesn't the characters are not cool as far as i can tell like <laughs> you know they're, they're they're battlefield characters it's like just different flavors of like armored up yeah. <laughs> paramilitary types like yeah. Nothing about it was like, oh, I love him. He's he's the shit. Like, they're all pretty generic. Like, yeah, there's a Russian engineer guy who's just a big grizzly dude. And he's like, ah, oh, I love to build walls. And it's like, yeah, cool. Just a big, just a big Russian bear, huh? All right. Neat. Um, There's like an assault character that is just like the filed off scout from tf2 mckay but his whole thing like his special ability as his character is that he has grappling hook Hmm. grappling hook is cool i mean it is i'm not gonna deny that like but i just don't know why it has to be attached to the specific character right like if it were a piece of kit that i could like augment an existing character with it would be just as fun Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead everything's routing through this uh, system where it's like, here are these characters, these specialists now that exist, exist in these classes. And I don't fully see what it's getting me. Like it's sort of what it's creating. is kind of a needless level of complication, I think. Um, but maybe it'll make more sense when I tell you about the next thing and what I think maybe is actually going on here. Mm-hmm. 
the way I came out of this feeling like, oh man, this Battlefield game sucks. Like, <laughs> this is like if you didn't like Battlefield, they've tried to make the Battlefield game for you, <laughs> right? Where you were like, man, Battlefield just seems kind of shitty. I wish I were playing Call of Duty or or Siege, and this kind of feels like. We heard you. Hey, hey, Call of Duty players and Siege players, we've heard you. We listened. Uh, we're we're making uh, we're making a battlefield for you. And I, I don't get why they would do this, except for the next day we check out this new mode, um, Hazard uh, Hazard Zone. And this is a bit like Dark Sectors in uh, like the Division, and it's a bit like Hunt Showdown, uh, where you sort of go and you kill uh, monsters and try to extract uh, from the map with tokens. I thought we were randomly going to get another Lost Sectors comparison. I was like, <laughs> "Damn, firing on all cylinders today on the podcast." No, this is so. To their credit, I'm sort of relieved. Like, hey, guess what? They didn't like just throw in a battle royale. Instead, their mode is like more like these these other things we've seen in in other games and it's kind of interesting there's a little bit of titanfall in it as well where um in these matches you and your squad go in and you're there to recover these data drives that dropped all over the map and once you collect data drives and each character on your squad uh can like carry four you can then at regular intervals, uh, an extraction point appears on the map. And that means that in a few minutes, a helicopter is going to arrive and you want to jump on it and get the fuck out with, uh, with your loot. But of course other teams will be there too. And that's the opportunity to like gank each other and like steal Mm -hmm. each other's data drives plus seated throughout the map at the start. And then coming in sort of more intense waves when there's an extraction vehicle on the way, uh, there are PVE enemies, uh, mm-hmm. on the map, and it's it's sort of like Titanfall, except these guys are actually a bit beefier. Like in Titanfall, they were just there to generate the sense of like I'm part of a big battle, yeah. And so like there's lots of troops running around, just gonna gun these guys down. Uh, but they're not they're not like pilots who are the actual like thing you need to worry about. Uh, here they're the the bots are kind of tough. Um, and they do shit like if they show up in a uh, you know, light armored vehicle, they will do the same thing players will do, which was just constantly like, try to run rings around you uh, and prevent uh, getting knocked out. Um, and so you can have like pretty decent firefights with the AI and you can't like take them too lightly. But the thing they're really doing, of course, is making it impossible for you to like keep a low profile. Like you're just mm-hmm. trying to get out of there with your loot. Right. And then you get sandwiched between two AI squads. And a huge gun battle breaks out. Well, every other squad is going to see like tracers whipping across the sky and like your explosions and shit. Uh, and they're going to have the choice. Like, do I want to get in on this now? Because it's probably a good like uh, ganking opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this mode is actually pretty fun. Like the the decision making of like, do you try to be one of the first people to grab data drives uh, or do you try to just like wait and like vulture off somebody else who's done that work um that was cool the weights for the extraction uh were excruciatingly tense and really cool um you know that when when you're finally like running across just a field of gunfire like trying to sprint aboard the the ramp onto the chopper it's like the timer's counting down this thing is like lifting off in 10 seconds that stuff's great it worked really well and like suddenly 
the oversized maps kind of made sense mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. becomes a wilderness now that you can hide in. The size becomes right. active in that the space is interesting because the negative space becomes an opportunity for you to sneak around. And yeah. I'm kind of yeah, kind of. I was just gonna say like that sounds like they're they're they've taken some of the right like choices made in like those modes in the division and things like that of like you know um creating interesting push and pull between like understanding that there's a yeah like uh ai enemies and they're not pushovers but like the real danger will be the other players as well but also like you can't just like sleep on the ai at all um i i am curious how how the um is this the one that has the like weather effects and stuff running through it? Uh, they all have weather effects, as far as I can tell. Um, all of so the like, okay, yeah. So like, I saw a mission where like, um, yeah, the tornado came down during one hazard zone, um, right. but I also saw dust storms arrive in Conquest. Um, they're less dramatic than you'd hope, I think. Mm. Actually, that's a that's a weird point too. I would say like they did a bit of this in Battlefield Four. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I'm not sure. I wouldn't say Battlefield Four wasn't a better looking game. <laughs> like it's it, it's it's a weird thing. Like huh. it just didn't look that impressive. And I don't think it's because I'm like inured to like nice Battlefield graphics. It's just like there kind of just wasn't much in terms of like a vibe or a mood. And something I think Dice has generally been good at is like their maps tend to be very like expressive in terms of like a tone. Here I just didn't get that, and then hmm. when when weather kicked in, it still didn't feel like oh man, like it's shit's getting real. It it, it kind of just felt like yeah, it's now they're just swapped in a like a, a stormy color palette. Right. Um, so that was another <laughs> weird thing. Like usually these things are technical showpieces. Yeah. Um, this like I went and I played Battlefield Five today because I was like, man, am I just like. Am I just out to lunch? Like, am I just imagining now past Battlefield experiences? Like, no, Battlefield 5 looked way better. Huh. Um, and so, like, I don't fully know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but this one just didn't have, like, a vibe, and there was nothing about it that sort of, like, was breathtaking at all. Um, uh, my my other question was going to be about the um, the loot that you take out. Like, what is it that you're, that you're grabbing as far as, like, what is the is there a meta i assume there must be some sort of meta progression to this which is kind of how all of these games work is that the point is you're trying to yeah. get something for your next run to have better loot for the next run etc et this is something we really need to see when it's live because the answer like because we weren't saving our progress we didn't get much of a chance to like play around with progression systems mm-hmm. but here's where it does get kind of weird there's your general battlefield progression system where sure. it's like account wide you are up like getting new stuff and and upgrading this or that hazard zone has its own progression system and there's a cs go style element where or or counter-strike style element where two things like you are winning currency Uh in these matches and then you can invest that in like buying better and better gear uh Mm. like for your characters in hazard zone i'm not sure if it persists after your run because here's something here's something's kind of cool there is a rich get richer element of this, which is when you play your first hazard zone match, you haven't won anything yet. Uh, you get like one, one perk. It's like, you can, um, it's a, it's a selection of like basic, like low level perks. Like you can have a little more ammo or something. 
um, or, or something like that. Nothing very inspiring. Mm. After you've won your first match, uh, it's like, well, okay, now like now you know have two perks. If you're on a streak, you can have three perks active and new ones unlock that are like high level. So like there's one that's like, okay, you can double your uh health recovery rate. And that only happens when you're on a roll. Mm. And so now you start getting a little tense when you're on a roll because well, you're gonna lose all this once you lose a match. Uh and so like on the one hand, you're better equipped than you were at the start. You you have better chances right. of winning these fights. On the other hand, um, once the streak is broken, uh, you are kind of kicked back down and you're going to have to uh, like have less interesting perks. I don't know if they've gone far enough with it. Like mm-hmm. the thing that for one thing, some of the things that make these things interesting in Counter-Strike is that Everything exists in a broader, like, there are, uh, like, Counter-Strike exists in, like, there are the individual rounds, and then there's the match as a whole, right? right. And so there's an entire match economy existing. That doesn't seem to be the case in Hazard Zone. So, like, these things mimic Counter-Strike, but it's not the same game, so I don't fully know what we're getting here. Yeah. Or, like... What happens with all this currency and shit you're getting in Hazard Zone? Where does it go? I, I'm not fully clear. Uh, it probably was explained, um, but like there was a lot of explanation. <laughs> so like different parts <laughs> that start get a little bit eye glazing, and like also just the interface is hard to follow. It's hard to unpack. Right, all this. it's hard to even um, intuit what what these things are on the screen. It's, it's just well, like the thing that I actually felt like um, I thought when I saw the like. A video for this the first time was um that they're they're like aiming for tarkov style play and yes. wondering whether or not like how and in in tarkov for people who don't know when you die in that you lose the equipment you're currently carrying like wait are you a little are you are you a tarkov guy kyle no i could be it seems interesting i've watched yeah. a lot of videos but like i never actually that ended up downloading it um hmm, okay <laughs> we should talk we it should seems talk. interesting uh like, but anyway. did those guys give really shitty answers about some questions yeah about, they fucking like, did that's that's part of the thing also too, so needlessly like, it was like yeah i can like just here, here's why there are no women characters in this game they have one character model there's no characters there's nothing there's no characters. It could have just been admitted we're making a cheap like shitty in some places game we will work on it but instead they're like man women could not handle the stresses God. of tarkov and it's like okay yeah. <laughs> okay sure yeah. that that definitely uh hampered me like jumping on pretty early just like but like it's still the 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 because one of my favorite parts like of the vision wasn't just uh the dark zone itself which was pretty interesting but later they did a kind of version of the dark zone called survival that included um uh a similar kind of match Are you structure. a division guy Kato? Oh yeah, I was. I was. I didn't really get into two. We should talk. Uh, but get into one one was uh, it was a low. It was a low for time. You, Rob, Rob's committing to like four different games yeah. like, over the course of the last five minutes. You know what I can really yeah, get into? Yeah. Is like another high commitment multiplayer shooter where to get past the skill curve. I'm going to put in 15, 20 hours. The only reason I got into Division was because there was a lull in Destiny content back back in that time. It was perfectly timed. Honestly, they it, they slid right past each other like ships in the night at the exact right time for me to hop to one and then hop back to the other. Um, 
Um, but so yeah, I was I was really into the the first division, and I really enjoyed the yeah. survival. Snowy survival. New York, I think was like yeah. honestly Division Two. I was like, ugh, swampy like <laughs> t-shirt sticking weather yeah. in DC. No, thank you. Like, uh, you're you're from Florida and went to school in Baltimore, right? Like I'm sure you yeah. got your fucking fill of that shit. That's just that's just that's that's life. That's life everywhere for me. It doesn't matter if it's cold out. I'm, I'm always That's true. Sweating. You moved to New York just in time for it to be recla- reclassified. <laughs> yeah, right. It's about to become that. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but so here's the thing. So I'm like, Battlefield 2042 sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it matters. Huh. And I like because the thing is, one Hazard Zone seems kind of cool, and like that might actually be where they put all their chips. And I right. don't know if it's going to be like enough of a game mode to like keep the game interesting but right. it does seem to make a lot of their decisions make sense in a way that like they did not make sense when I'm playing classic battlefield shit but if you like classic battlefield shit then there's also battlefield portal and this is what they showed on the third day and this is the thing where there are bits and pieces of old battlefield games that exist on battlefield portal uh weapon kits game rules character skins etc and to show us off like they, there's two things you can do. You can just play cut-down versions of old Battlefield games uh, to start. So, like, I cannot believe they left this for the end of the day uh, and only <laughs> gave us, like, the briefest tastes with it. Uh, but, like, at the end of the day, they're like, hey, let's play some Bad Company 2 Rush. And I'm like, well, that is the greatest battlefield has ever been. So, yes, let's <laughs> fucking do that. Maybe we should have done that for three days. Maybe we should have just played Bad Company 2. And by the uh, way, I would love uh, to play Bad Company 2, except you guys have left it so poorly supported that, like, you can barely get in now. Uh, like, you can. It just takes. Oh, this morning, I was like, can I play battle? I'm a Battlefield 2 guy. Bad, mm-hmm. bad Company 2 guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can get I can. I, I can uh, check it out. I want to see if it's still up and running. Didn't seem to be, except it turns out they left a bug where you just can't log in and get to the server browser Ugh. until you just enter your login credentials an indeterminate number of times, and eventually it lets Ugh. you through. It'll just so you just sit work. there. It, just, you yeah, it will eventually work. <laughs> but like sometime between like, Three or four or a dozen login attempts. Oh, my God. You will eventually get through. What the fuck? Uh, so, like, <laughs> the idea of, like, just being able to go and play Bad Company 2, pretty nice. They show us this, and, like, I would have to see. I would have to be able to, like, get into a match of uh, Bad Company 2 to tell you how close it is. But, like, old rules were in place. Like, Bad Company 2, you couldn't go prone. You can't go prone when you're playing Bad Company 2 <laughs> mode and like rush. Like those rules were in place. Bad Company 2. You just need to do the double crouch like in Stalker. <laughs> yeah. You know. Crouch twice. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think even even dice back in like the mid 2000s were not like a double crouch. That seems like a good logical idea. <laughs> um, if you go to and also like in that game, you could not strafe while running. Which is what? so weird feeling. Yeah. You could strafe while moving at your normal speed, but like if you were in a sprint, you sprinted straight ahead. Huh. Um huh. or you like turn, I guess. Right. But you couldn't like you crab couldn't, walk like, sprint. Ang- right. And like Battlefield oh, hasn't done that wild. shit in ages, but that existed in Bad Company too. It's there in that mode. And so I'm saying I'm like, shit. 
this is bad. This is this is bad company. <laughs> and like all of nostalgia kicked in. Like Valparaiso is this map. It's this like tropical harbor. The first objective for the attacking team is real easy. You just attack down into this village. You have the high ground. Uh, you can sort of dominate it and just move in quickly. Then you make this hard left turn and begin this like long fight up this rocky hill toward this lighthouse. And it's a nightmare. It was a nightmare back then. And I'd forgotten, like, I remembered the map well, but, like, I had forgotten how tough it was until we started making the attack. And, like, we're just getting ground to a pulp. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's how this game was. That's right. <laughs> like, this was impossible. Um, and it rolled. Like, it, it felt great. We played a Battlefield uh, 1942 map, El Alamein, which was very vehicle heavy, but looked pretty cool. It felt nice. Um one of the guys in my squad sort of commented that some of the old maps looked nicer than the new ones, uh, which I kind of agreed with. Like, <laughs> they're too dead. Like, I played a Battlefield 2042 desert map. Didn't look great. El Alamein looks fantastic. Uh, so, like, real weird stuff. But you can't. It's not just like, for one, not all the Bad Company 2 is in there. It's like a couple selected maps. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a bummer. Hopefully they will continue to expand that offering because like if they do that, this becomes like sort of the coolest like retro battlefield experience you could imagine. Um, but right now, kind of what they're really putting emphasis on is custom games. So because all these old assets and rules exist now in the game, you can create your own custom mode um, where you're like, here's the map playlist. Here is a mode but I'm going to change what the victory conditions are for the mode. And I'm going to change, like you can get pretty granular. Like they, they showed us, they did, they showed off a bad mode. <laughs> they say, you're like, we're going to make a free for all mode with, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be, I think, um, you know, a mix of characters from like bad company two And, uh, like guys from world war two, uh, but then after a couple of free-for-all rounds, they showed us that you go, they modified it so that everyone now just gets a knife and a rocket launcher and the rocket launcher gets one rocket and you can only, it reloads automatically after someone has jumped five times. And so it turned to a bunny hopping match. Hmm. Did we need 45 minutes to play the bunny hopping match across four maps? We did not. But they <laughs> that. Um, kind of get it in one. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. That's neat. You did that. But yeah, uh, uh, maybe something not so specifically drilled down like this. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a waste. But like it did show like the the sort of mode editor, the custom, the game customizer was pretty robust. Uh, yeah. And so like the idea that I could go in there and be like, hey, Waypoint friends, come with me and play Bad Company 2 across all these Battlefield maps now. Like, I could just do that, and I think we'd all have a great time, uh, or else. Um, <laughs> the the mode they did show us that was a little more bespoke was uh, a VIP mode where you ever play, like, Team Fortress Classic, I think, where, like, there was a mode where, like, one character was, like, the president, and, like, the team would try uh, to assassinate the president. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, this was a bit like that. It wasn't quite, like, the VIP was not disarmed. The VIP was just like somebody randomly designated as like, okay, now you are it. And everyone on the enemy team can see you highlighted through walls, like left for dead style, where like you're a red silhouette. Uh And so your team has to simultaneously protect you, but also go and kill the other VIP. And the match we played was like on a battlefield three map, I think. 
Uh, it was like 2042 Russian troops versus like World War II, uh, like Commonwealth troops. And so it was like mix of AK 74s versus like Enfield rifles and shit. Um, and it was really cool. Like it worked mm. really well. It wasn't a, it wasn't a battlefield mode. Um, it, right. it felt like a battlefield game, but it was a distinctive mode. It was really cool. And like that to me is kind of like, if 2042 was all we were getting, I'd be like, wow, they fucked it. Like, this is trash Battlefield. Mm-hmm. But it's coming alongside this thing where it's like, also, we're giving you all these different versions of, like, the best Battlefield has been in the past that you can sort of mix and match and play with. And that makes it a little bit harder to get upset at, like, 2042. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I can just go into a different menu and be like, Hey, uh, let's load up Battlefield Bad Company. <laughs> and I'm just there. And so what do I care if like Conquest sucks in 2042? So that's this is this is the weird thing of like it's I don't know how people are gonna react. I don't know how the servers are gonna hold up. It feels like the new game part of this thing is real, real rough. The mm-hmm. platform part of it is really, really cool. And that is probably going to be where the real value of this thing is. Um, if they sort That's of the end game of it. all these, you, I mean, you look, you, yeah. it, it feels like this game started development prior to Activision turning on Warzone and then realizing, huh, actually what we're going to do going forward is we're going to make these Call of Duty games every year, but they're really just a content infusion into Warzone and Warzone is the platform. And so it doesn't mean that Battlefield has to copy that verbatim. Like those are like different styles of games, but it's not shocking that the long term, because if correct me wrong, I believe like EA hired someone away to like head up the next X years of this Battlefield portal. Like they hired someone high profile. Like this is a long term thing we're going to be doing for a while. And that would be my guess is like essentially the future of Battlefield is, hey, this portal's always here. And then we're making other things that don't have to have the same weight of the world on their shoulders because they're really just huge expansion packs for Mm -hmm. Portal. And, you know, as someone that doesn't really play those games, but like watches from the periphery and looks at the people who like are specifically like upset, like why make another please make another bad company? Maybe like a world where they could do stuff like that again is a world in which we're just making hand over fist through Portal that's where the battlefield people just live and exist. Yeah. And that allows us to be a little more experimental and try other things or do games that have different weights on their shoulders because portal is ultimately what battlefield battle. There's, you know, maybe there is a battlefield six, maybe not, but battlefield portal, like is all those numbers uh, swirled together. Well, Patrick, you make it sound, sound sort of like they're throwing like people like me in a corner and being like, fuck off and let's do new stuff. I mean, I, I, it's probably I, fair you know, from, from a distance. Go. It does feel like Battlefield is hitting diminishing returns on the, like the style, the, the packaging of these games has changed. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they've changed significantly in the past couple of years as a repercussion of Battle Royale and Fortnite. Like all of those things have been rubbing up against how these games are distributed and how they're played. And th- this is going up against a model of, Call of Duty, you know, people used to say, you know, Call of Duty, Battlefield didn't do this as much because it wasn't an annualized franchise. But like the games like this 
or like, oh, we're, they're chasing Madden. Like they're trying to like we, we've we've found an, a, a lane for sports fans that don't want to play X sport. It's like, well, Battlefield's their sport. Call of Duty's their sport. Fortnite's their sport. Yeah. And it's, it's like the Battlefield essentially has not had a centralized place. And so then there's these wild swings between this is the good one. This is the bad one. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I like this. And like that makes that creates so you have to build so much momentum for each release as a result. Whereas like, you look at this, like the new Call of Duty Vanguard, which I don't think any of us have touched. The response seemed to be pretty mixed to that. Um, and in a, in a year, in a, in a world where this is the big new Call of Duty, and Call of Duty has been on sort of a downward trajectory prior to Warzone anyway, but they sort of like established the Warzone lane. And now like it kind of doesn't, it matters, but like it doesn't matter as much. Like if, if, if Vanguard's kind of mediocre, you can pluck the pieces that you like of that, throw it into Warzone, and then you move on onto the next one. It just seems like Battlefield, it, for its long-term health, needs to find a way to do that because it seems like the way they've been developing and packaging these games like it just isn't it doesn't seem to align it with how people pay, play video games anymore the broader audience i mean yeah i mean that's that's true and uh that's probably unsolvable unless you do something like this to your point like be, because you're right like i think in the past they could always just say Battlefield's going to be back and prettier than ever. Well, they all look good now, so it's... And and it's bigger. And it's like, what does bigger mean? Like, you're running up into player count. Like, you can't just keep, you know, it's 300, 400 people. Like, that's just, you know... Right, like, right. This this goes up to 128, and I'm like, materially, it's not... It doesn't feel better than the 64 that was capped in previous games. Right. It's Um, capped at 64, and and it's capped at 64 on current-gen... True. ...past-gen consoles, so my guess is that influences the design as well. Is like these this game was started. <laughs> That's true. All those big levels are also ago. designed to be cut down themselves, where it's like yes. these parts don't really matter. Yep. Uh yeah. so yeah, that's gonna uh that that's also kind of a weird constraint they're up against. Um these sort of split generation things always seem kind of ill advised. But well, that's where the Battlefield last stumbled in this regard. Uh the one I remember the most was the, the the generation split battlefield when uh, the PS4 and the Xbox One launched where the different versions were a mess if you were playing on the um I don't, I don't know if those versions are a mess I think this has been a cushier yeah. transition um you know having not seen what the, the the PS4 or Xbox One um versions of this game are but I don't know it's just yeah I, it just strikes me as they need to find their war zone and that doesn't mean it has to be a battle royale game it just means like a persistent platform for Battlefield fans to be around in seem, seems like that's the smartest play, even only just to keep people engaged and also probably a better way to find, like, how do we, you know, people who play shooters, they they play them with their friends and their family every day as a way to unwind. Like the best way to react to like what those people want is a platform that shifts over time as opposed to let's think of like, let's build a game for four years and predict what they want. Like that's, that's a lot harder. To yeah. Do. Uh, so that's battlefield. And like, I think uh, like we'll probably revisit it once it's out and we have a little bit of a chance to play with it. Cause I do think, you know, this is all based on a really shaky, uh, like launch review event, right? Mm-hmm. Like I bet you in a month, the experience is very different. Uh, and there'll be more to talk about. So we'll probably check back in around then. Uh, Patrick, before we go, do you want to touch on guardians again and close the loop on that? Yeah, I um 
was waiting. To, I, I forgot they had the Battlefield event, so that makes sense why you didn't continue playing that. But I, I finished that, you know, a week and a half or so, and I just wanted to uh, at least I like, put a pin in like rec. It seems like that game is not doing super great sales wise based oh, on the available data that we have, which would be kind of a tragedy given that I think that game is is really excellent. You know, the combat doesn't really get much better um, from no. from where it is the beginning. But it's maintained like the quality of like yeah, the writing, writing is so fucking strong, dude. Like Shit. there there is um it's such a fascinating game in which they find different like they truly do find their own identity with all of the characters by the end in which they are they are building off of your foundational knowledge from the gun films, but then really finding their own own path forward. And like they mine so much from Drax um, uh, that one of the most emotional moments I've experienced in a game this year was during something involving Drax. And it is a character who in the films is played as a one note, a jokey character is given just a lot of room to play with. And the fact that it doesn't feel like MCU uncanny Valley. I mean, it starts that way, but they, it's just, it's a really, it's so well-written. It is smart and funny and heartfelt. And I think the writing does so much hard work to get, to get over some of the kind of just okay-ish gameplay stuff. Um, It never gets bad. It just sort of gets repetitive and you're kind of just spamming buttons at a certain point. Um, But the writing and story and character interactions are just like good enough that like I'm you know like next week I was like I want to talk to the one of the lead writers on the game who was also like the writing lead on like both Deus Ex games um, hmm. that that studio made so like I'm super curious to chat with her about like yeah. that transition how they f- found their path with these characters I I really hope that they get a chance to if they don't get a chance to make another one that's really sad but. This is a really strong swing. Um, I'm so excited then. Yeah. Because like, because the thing, because when I like having gone through sort of the prologue, because where I left off was like right as you have 72 hours to get your shit together and like get out from (laughs) under this debt. I was like, this has been amazing, but there's no way, no way that they're going to be able to maintain this like tenor throughout because like. The writing was too good. I was like, they have to have burned through most of their good jokes in the first hour. No. Um, and I mean, it's, it remains a very uh, funny game, um, you know, from top to bottom. But they the, – the padding they find for that, you know, not as pejorative, is it like uh, mining the emotional depths of yeah. the – like they – like they – this game does – for people who haven't played it, um, it there is no – uh, hey, let's have some flashback sequences. Like, how did the the team get together and become a team? Like, you start this game as as they are figuring that part out. They have had some time together, but like this, them being the guardians of the galaxy, being friends, um, learning about one another's path. Like, a pass is is you're experiencing that part with them. Like, this game is kind of a it's not the prequel of how the team came together, but it's a, it's the like origin story of how does a how does a shaky team become a team that cares about one another and like the, the arc they all go through the, the backstory stuff that they managed to mine from like, really it's like, you know, this well, the one, the one commonality it has it with the, the films is like rocket raccoon has like a really tragic backstory, like a really like fucked up, like body horror backstory. And there's some of that here, but not a ton of it. Um, and in this one, like they, like in the, the movies, Gamora and star Lord sort of like get the, the thrust because Gamora is tied up with Thanos and, and Star-Lord's like the central character. Um, in this one, it's more of uh, 
Star-Lord and Drax, and they get they get a lot out of, uh, of Drax that I, I just, if you have any passing interest in these characters, I've seen, fascinatingly, like a lot of folks that bounced off of Gunn's specific style of writing and humor, which I totally get, even though it works for me, um, like adoring the portrayal of these characters. And I, I think a lot of that is both a testament to the writing and the fact that they're a little more than one note. Like you, you're getting, you're getting to experience like the histories of these characters um, presented in a really beautiful and, and touching and like interesting story. It is, I would f- really love to see the studio get another chance, but if they don't like, this is, this is awesome. Like I, I if uh, hopefully Marvel can throw more darts in, in this direction um, as opposed to their, their, the shoddy Avengers game, because this was a, especially someone that lo- like really enjoys all the MCU movies. Like this felt like I was reading a comic, but like a really fun way to read a comic. And it, that one that went on for 15 hours. It's like when I come out of those movies, because there's just not enough time for them to spend really any time, like getting a lot of characters beyond like one or two, like this game gives you, gets 15 hours to do that. And does like, doesn't waste any of it, despite the fact that it's, it's longer than I expected but never feels as though it's outstaying its welcome. Instead, you're more just like, yeah, like, let's keep going. Like the great, like, g- yeah. give me, yeah. Thank thank you for giving me a new MacGuffin. I, but they even execute on that well. It's like the MacGuffin is a good excuse for them to go explore X, Y, or Z with, with some character. Um, so, yeah, really, really my highest recommendation. Probably the biggest surprise uh, this year. I had very, very low expectations for that game um, coming out of E3 and... Uh, couldn't have done a harder 180. So what I'm hearing here is that it's like got all the charm of a Marvel movie. It's, <laughs> you know, stays good throughout. I think I could just play through that this weekend uh, while I'm getting I think so. Power. I think it's... Uh, I, well, so to, to it, it's... Uh, there was a... Uh, I didn't review it, but there was a moment where I was trying to play some um, for before a podcast discussion um, when uh, we had this some weeks back and some of Jessica's uh, friends were over and they were inside because the weather was crummy. Um, so we're letting them play in our downstairs area, which is connected to my office. And usually the office is off limits and I, I keep the door shut, but I was playing this game because they were occupying themselves and they came in. They're like, are you watching? Are you just in here watching a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Because the, their older friends she plays with are, are eight and are a little more familiar with that stuff. And I was like, no, I'm playing the, the video game. Then they went and got pillows and blankets and snacks and <laughs> laid on the floor and like watched me play uh, the game for, for 45 minutes. Um, and we're just Adorable. absolutely uh, taken and, and delighted by it. And so um, it, I think it's family friendly, Rob, yeah. is what I'm saying. Um, right. You know, it just... Uh, Tell people to get their phones out and do a little doom scrolling while you're in the middle of combat. Um, but uh, beyond that, you know, you got a lot of a lot of talking to do. <laughs> All right, uh, we we had a lot of talking to do, but I think we've I think we've talked ourselves out. So let's let's make that a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. Uh, if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter. We at should Way- tell, wait, hold on. We should tell people Perfect. now that we're at the end. We should let people if they want to do the research. If they want to come prepared, what they should watch. From oh, Monday. true. Okay. So <laughs> we got word as part of stock <laughs> oh, from, from a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Just <laughs> several people wrote in to let us know that our stock member was strangely incomplete. Something was missing. And that something was anime. 
uh, which was kind of curious to me because like what like th- there ain't no stalker anime oh contraire uh, there is an anime called Other Side Picnic and we are apparently checking some of it out for the podcast on Monday uh, it is on Funimation. on what Funimation right um, yeah so and, and you can watch it um, for free with ads so if you don't want to sign up for a service you can just Go over there, and I think we're gonna watch. We're requiring the first two episodes. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see. Maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm, I. I don't know that I can make it to episode six, the meat train, but I really want to, and so we'll see if I can. Train. You want to see? I know. I just. I, I have to know. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, if people want to watch those first two episodes on Funimation to get ready for the, um, at least the second half of the the podcast discussion on on Monday, that is the that's the place to do it. And we're not we're not gonna watch it, but kind of. What's the other one called? There's a there's another anime. Oh, Made in Abyss. I don't know about that mm-hmm. one. That's I've made some, made in made in Abyss, not abyss. made in Abyss, not made in Abyss, made. Created. No, that might confuse you because it shows two girls being hurled into an abyss on the cover. One of those uh, is a boy. Okay, well, <laughs> learn something new every day. Well, that's just anime. They, yeah, two androgynous. It's not just that. It's children. not just anime. It's that art style. Too. They're also yes. very small. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes. yeah, but I. But either way, um, you see. Yeah. So, Kata, you're not so. We'll have to do research on that. To, yeah, we have to, to re- do some more uh, research. I've heard wildly. You know, it's great. It's horrible. It's mm, all yeah. over the place. I think the, other I think side I've you, generally heard good things about, though. Other side yeah, everyone, is, everyone <laughs> pushing other side was very posy about yeah, the entire yeah. thing. Uh, whereas, yes, like kind of the, the fact that like one of the first things you came across was people saying, like, man, Made in Abyss is gruesome torture porn. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, what? Because, like, <laughs> look, that up, look up Made in Abyss. Look at the cover art. Look, yeah. at, look at, like, the promo art that's out there for that. Like, I don't know that I want to see that turn into gruesome torture porn. But also, I'm kind of curious. How does that turn? How does that exactly? <laughs> god damn it! Fuck! Oh god! Anyway, oh god! Look, okay. you already know where to find all of us. You you hear this shit every week. Uh, <laughs> we got our stalker 101 wow. coming up next week on Waypoint Plus. And if you're uh, new, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. So if if uh, you're interested in hearing us talk about stalker and stumble across this forbidden knowledge about the stalker anime uh you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe uh that gives you access to our premium feed where stuff like the stock number uh 101 is going to live uh but of course you're also helping support waypoint especially waypoint streams uh notably like natalie and i are uh basically we are uh just working our way through inscription uh like we were in the midst of flawless victories here um, we can't be stopped. Oh, we didn't talk uh, we about only, that. We did. Well, well, we can. We'll push oh. that to. We can do that on Monday. That'll we'll, be around yeah, on sure. Monday. Yeah, we do. We do like gaming talk. I, I'm. They. Uh, I. I will. I, I sent a video to Kato implying I'm. You know, I'm much further along. Yeah. I don't. I'll see. It's. It's the weekend that you know coming up that I don't play a lot of games in the weekend. I don't know that I'll be able to mm. finish it, but I'm going to. I'm going to make a, a good faith uh, effort. I'm. I believe in you. Very. Ex- I'm very excited to see um, uh, where Natalie and, and Rob go from here. We'll we'll touch base with Natalie yeah. on Monday. I'm pretty sure we could have beaten it in one run, but mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. we're we're mm-hmm. really like in danger because Patrick, there's a fucking like, mechanic 
that is meant to kill you if you haven't died too long that they circumvented. If, Which, if you that, win, if you that. win, if you win too too many battles in a row, uh huh, it just drops grizzlies across the entire board. Oh, they managed to kill. They the grizzly? managed to get by. Wait, that wasn't yeah. just a boss thing. No, like, that wasn't just a boss. boss <laughs> grizzlies are hard. They're like they're four damage and six health. Yeah. Right? Yes. Ooh. The whole board and the next turn was entirely filled. I guess you had if you had your your snake friend. That, that could they make, don't have anything. You, they're, they're dead. Oh, that's right. They Look, if you want to see, if you, you want to see Natalie and I just, you know, tear inscription a new one, uh, then I'm you so... can check it out on twitch.tv slash waypoint. Uh, now, inscription giveth, inscription taketh. Um, Natalie and I got so involved in discussing how we would win a match that Natalie hit end turn on the first turn without doing anything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. And we swiftly died, so one of our candles has again been extinguished. Uh, the so one candle down on the third live. map. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now it's now it's getting real dicey, uh, and we will have to see uh, where that where that all pans out next time uh, when Adeline and I return to Inscription. So once again, to support that kind of content, you go to waypointplus.com. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Uh, that's us calling it a week. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.